Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to Living That Belle V. I am your host, Monday Young, your life and expat coach. And today we are going to be talking about what is intercultural communication and why is it important. And I am excited to be speaking today with Sunday Bean, who is an intercultural specialist and who has been coaching and teaching expats and large corporations for over a decade um, about how they can, I have to start over. I lost no problem. I lost my footing. Okay. I'll do it again. Let me read what I wrote for over a decade. All right. Okay. Sometimes I try to improvise to my detriment. (laughs) (laughs) You had it till uh, you had it. I had it until the end. Yeah. You got it. Okay. All right. So hello everyone. And welcome to living that Belle V. I am your host Monday young life and expat coach. And today we're going to be talking about what is intercultural communication and why is it important? And I am going to be speaking with specialist Sunday Beam, who is an intercultural specialist who has been coaching and teaching expats and corporations for over a decade in this exact area. And she helps people to enhance their intercultural competence and resilience so that they can make the most of their lives and businesses abroad. So hello, Sunday. Thank you for having me. Hello from South Africa. (laughs) Hello from South Africa. So I know everyone may be having a bit of a giggle because it is Sunday and Monday today. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much. It's really too much. (laughs) It's It's really too much. But I am really excited to have you here speaking with me today um, because I actually found out about you through, you know, our little world of expat community um, of lots of different coaches talking about the work that you do and how long you've been in the game and and how you're really giving people um how you're giving people intercultural competence and tools to really make the most of their situations abroad. So I definitely wanted to get you on here because I think that um, we're not talking enough sort of in the expat community about intercultural competence and how important that is for us when we're going through different cultures to navigate those waters, to be empathetic and and understanding of each other and figuring out the best way we can come together. So I've been excited to have this conversation with you. Um, Thank you. I think it's a really important one. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. So Sunday, I want to start by you telling us a bit about your, about your, your story abroad and how you started teaching people about interculturalism. So I was born and raised in a small rural community in North Dakota and had zero models to adapt across cultures. We were very homogenous, any cultural diversity that was present in my state was people were very separated. And I ended up studying abroad in, what was it, 1998 in Spain, backpacking throughout Southeast Asia, and then nice. met my Swiss husband in Vietnam. <laughs> and oh. um, yeah, long story short, I ended up um, moving to Switzerland and marrying him 21 years ago. And I was completely ill-equipped for okay. um, a cross-cultural relationship, binational marriage, multilingual, multicultural, different family mm. cultures. And so I had to figure this out on my own. 
And what we know from cultural research is that contact is not enough for competence, right? Yes. And um, knowing isn't the same as doing. So because of that personal experience, I ended up professionalizing my interest in crossing cultures by getting a master's degree in it and okay. becoming a fellow of the Summer Institute of Intercultural Communication to understand how do we do this and how can I support other people in their own transition? So that's how it all started. And I think um, not having been equipped was a really good starting place because yeah. I came from the place of knowing I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think know. it's harder to learn when you think you know. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. I know, I know about this. I know that place. I visited there all the time. I've mm -hmm. spent time there. I know, I know. And when we get to that space of I know, we don't leave the room for learning anymore. Right. And it's like, because I've seen it yeah. doesn't mean you can actively adapt to it or, or move in and out of it. Right. So though that's kind of how it all started. And, um, I really believe that intercultural competence sounds something abstract. It sounds yeah. kind of academic, but what we're really talking about is human connection sure. and honoring the full experience of human connection. And just quick for, for those who are listening, there's a difference between cross-cultural interaction and intercultural interaction. And I'm just gonna get okay. really specific on that for a second. Okay. Cross-cultural is kind of how the field started, like, oh, how do people do this in Japan? How do people do that in Germany, et cetera? Yeah. And it's like looking at a culture and how they operate and then comparing other cultures operate differently. But intercultural is when two different cultural groups come together and interact together. So right. we are finding a third way. We are, we are negotiating, how do we connect? How do we find understanding? How do mm. we respect each other? And that, this is what is so fascinating. There's no recipe for it because, you know, you have never had that one individual come together with that other individual before in quite that way with all of their layers of culture. Yes. And that's an, another thing I want to dispel is people think culture is nation and it's absolutely not right. No. We it's have a so, gender. It's like an onion. Mm -hmm. It has so yes. many layers and you'll have to peel mm -hmm. back all of those layers. And I think that's the competence we're talking about is understanding mm -hmm. that it, it doesn't look like what it does like it is on the outside, that once you're mm -hmm. in the culture, that's when you realize there's all of these layers that you couldn't see on the surface. And, and that's why it's important to be able to give yourself some tools to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the tools that you can have for that is understand one, that culture is a nation, right? Mm -hmm. It's national culture is one part your gender identity is another part, your uh, age is another, your professional background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? How you're, yeah. how you are, um, how are you read from a race perspective? How, how sure. are you grown, raised ethnically? Like all of those are important cultural aspects. Yeah. That's, I think, important because especially, for example, your listeners are probably in France. So the most immediate cultural difference they see is a national culture. And sure. then when we only focus on difference, our national difference, you forget to see similarities. Yes. And I think, I think for a lot of, um, one, because I, I, you know, I taught language for a long time and 
and when and when you're doing that and you have to kind of and I and I tell people like 50% of English comes from the French language you know they're always you know a bit surprised by that like we've been interacting together for a very long time and that can be forgotten our historical journey together and how we're not so far how we're not so far apart and if we and if we peel back that layers even just starting with language and history we see how we're more connected uh than not actually mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you named two things that are really important from the intercultural context. Um, history is really important. Context, identity, and power. Those are four mm. other, those are four elements I would encourage everyone when they're looking at their interaction, even though they're, you know, at a cafe today with a person now, yeah. we're constantly interacting with history, power, identity, and context. And all of those are negotiated in our situation. So for example, when I moved to Switzerland, all of a sudden my American identity was important. And I didn't, I didn't have an American identity in the U S because everybody <laughs> yeah. was American. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all of a sudden they saw me as American in Switzerland. When I moved to Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso in West Africa, my American identity was less important and they called me Le Blanc. So I was a white woman. Right. So the, um, where they are, my identity was given to me by some people that means ascribed given to me, but there's also yeah. identities that I want to own, right. Sure. That I want people to see. Um, so if I'm, if I I've been abroad for over 20 years. So when people only see me as American, I've lived more of my adult life outside of the U S and I have, I've lived most of my adult life Me too at this point. I, yeah. Same. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, my whole life, you know, most of my whole life outside of the U S and my, my adult life outside. And so when they see me as only American, they miss, you know, the 20 years the that layers. I've been. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it's hard. Yeah. That's where it's hard. I mean, I can relate to you. My first marriage was to a Dutchman who, you know, same thing. We're, we're different cultures with different languages. You know, we weren't, when we met, we lived in a different country and then mm -hmm. where we lived was in a different country. Neither of us were living in our home country. So we were like integrating lots of different things into mm -hmm. our relationship. And I think, um, when it comes to communication, especially when you're across all these different cultures, understanding the best way to do that because like they say lots of things do get lost in translation right like what we assume someone knows and what that means doesn't necessarily mean the same thing in another culture right and i i mean i've been married for 21 years i'm still learning that lesson <laughs> <laughs> the other thing i wanted to mention to people is um intercultural competence isn't something that you develop and then keep that surprises yeah. people. It's not like, yay, I'm competent now. Because yeah. for example, living in Switzerland, adapt there, got to learn the language, was coaching in German, feeling very comfortable in the context. You take me outside of that familiar context and you put me in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. I'm, I'm instantly incompetent, yeah. right? Mm. So that is, so your competence is also context dependent. The other thing that's really important, and this is based on the research I'm doing with Purdue university with Chris Asterson, we have this program, this, this paradigm shift about the pendulum is that we also have to maintain our intercultural competence. Yes. So you get me tired 
You get me um, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> we are not the same people. My intercultural competence can go straight down, right? Like it's very connected to our resilience. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, or you, let's say you're going through a divorce yeah. and you're living in a place. So suddenly you're, you're, energy reserves and your emotional reserves are being mm. tapped for something has nothing to do with culture. Right. But it will impact how you then engage. See the culture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause I did, you know, my first husband, I did get divorced in France. So I had to do this in a whole nother language. You know, we got married mm -hmm. in, in Holland, but divorced in France um, and doing things like, and, and I know other people who have gone through that process of getting divorced in France, which can be a very complicated process. And that process scarred the way they feel about France because mm -hmm. that process was so hard on them. And because yeah. the system, they didn't feel, understand, it wasn't comfortable. And, and, and I, this I'm pretty sure you see in your coaching too. For a lot of people, they make the circumstances in their lives affect how they actually feel about the culture when that may mm -hmm. not have anything to do with what they're going through. That Absolutely. that's just how it is where they yeah. are, right? Right. And so that is, um, that's a natural process that people go through. And it's part of also focusing on difference where yeah. you focus on a negative experience and this is part of our, what we know it's called polarization where we only focus on difference. Like in my country, the divorce would have been done in three weeks and they would have blah, 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 yes, blah, 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 Americans blah, blah, blah. love this. We love saying <laughs> that. I would have had this done yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually from an intercultural perspective, that's you're mm -hmm. going in, you're focusing on difference. You are, um, you are polarizing, right. And then you're also making a bureaucratic process means something about an entire culture, which right. is absolutely overgeneralizing, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. when you're in a place of pain, I understand that. Yeah, sure. And this is where intercultural competence comes up. It's okay. You have your natural reaction, right? You have that, but then it's pausing and going, wait a minute, that was probably unfair. That was probably an overgeneralization. And then having the practice yeah. to come above that emotion and process it and see it differently. And then renegotiate the way in which you see the context that you're living in. Yeah. And because a lot of the time, like systems, I think lots of people, when they living in different country, they get frustrated by the system. Right. Mm -hmm. And even the people who in that country might be frustrated by the system. So you can't apply that system to actually the people living in that society because they themselves might not like the system and may be frustrated by the system and the way mm -hmm. things work. So um, I totally agree that you definitely have to make sure that you're not overgeneralizing and having an overbias. Um, and I, the thing you touched on, uh, I would like to have more of your opinion about is when people keep looking back to their own culture and how that can hold them back when they're trying to, in, you know, sort of integrate into a new culture. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's constantly judging. It's usually, again, this is where from the intercultural perspective, we have, um, we basically say my culture is better than your culture. Yes. <laughs> and that is, and, and, um, that is a, it's, 
a cultural process that people often go in, right? Where they evaluate which one is better than the other, but you are, you are, what you're not doing is taking what we call a cultural relativist perspective and saying, okay, in my culture, we value this. And this is why these things are that way. So Mm. in Switzerland, they value order and they value efficiency. And that's why the trains are like literally on the second, always on time. Right. Right. But when we, when we, but we can just honor that. Right. And then we get to another context where buses will come 15, 20 minutes, (laughs) right. When they come. Um, but then you can also really, um, value that culture for having a fluid approach to time. So it's not that you're 30 seconds late. You you're Mm -hmm. going to come when it, when you arrive and that's okay. Right. So being able to look at another cultural value system neutrally for what it is and just holding that like, wow, isn't that interesting? Their time isn't so important. And my work a lot with people is helping people when they have a negative experience, for example, if someone comes five minutes late and they're very time orientated, it's like, you're making that mean that they don't respect you. Right. But that may not be the cause at all. No, maybe they prioritize relationships over time. So Mm. when someone called with an urgent question, they honored that relationship by answering that question Mm. and then honored that the the appointment by being fully present once they got there. Right. So it is that. Yeah. I mean, I, and I definitely can relate to that because, you know, I would say as a black woman, like sometimes when you're coming from the States, you got all this stuff that they're putting in your, in your head all the time about racial divide. And when you go to somewhere else, you got all that stuff packed into you and you go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, none of that's present. And Mm -hmm. you can find yourself thinking someone may be doing something against you racially and is actually this in this place. They're just rude to everyone. Right. When I came to, <laughs> when I came to France, it was, it was sort of this, like I, at first I thought people were just in Paris because, you know, in Paris, people mm-hmm. sort of like New York, everyone's in a hurry. People are not polite all the time. And I had found myself in some circumstances thinking people were being rude to me because I was black. And then I, and then I had like one of those epiphany moments. I was standing in a pharmacy with this old lady, little old lady, cute as a button in front of me at the pharmacy, trying to get some medication. And this lady was literally like telling her off. And I'm like this poor old lady. And I'm like, Oh, they just treat everyone badly. I was like, how refreshing, (laughs) you know? So I think it's like, before you judge a culture on how they're treating you or why they're treating you, that you have to have a deeper understanding of how they treat people in general, right? Right. How does the general context look outside of your preconditioned, um, your, your preconditioned view of the world when you're coming into it? Well, and rude is an interpretation, right? So maybe they're just really direct or maybe they, you know what I mean? Like, so I would be really curious what's going on from a French linguistic perspective or a French relationship to, to the public. French people are rude too. That's just to me. (laughs) When it comes to service in France, they got a long way to go. Right. So there's something prioritized over service, right? So, and that's, again, our values. We, we are valuing service very high. And if service isn't valued, if other things are valued, then that's not going to be up there. And, and then if you know that you can at least hold that a little bit playfully, 
right? Yes. I mean, I do now. Now I just let it go. But it took a long time as an American who services like the customer is mm -hmm. always right in France. The customer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is just the right. customer, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. yeah, yeah. And so that's I had okay. To really adjust. I had mm -hmm. to really adjust that. And I remember my sister is a really customer service stickler. And when she came to France, I said, look, I'm just going to explain to you right now. It is not the same experience. Like, I don't want mm -hmm. you to get upset because cus customer service means something different to them. And I kind of really had to debrief her on how this was going to be culturally very different from what she experience, normally experiences. Mm -hmm. And even when we went shopping, she still got upset because she didn't think people were paying enough attention to her as a customer. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's all cultural. Right. Maybe they are giving her um, privacy and independence. Right. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it was actually honoring her. Yeah. 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 And so what would you say are the uh, when it comes to intercultural communication, what do we need to be aware of the most? Uh, so when people want to study culture, often their instinct is to then study the local culture that they're living in, right? Okay. So if you're living in France, you say France, and that's actually the opposite of what you should do. You need to start with yourself, understanding what are your cultural tendencies? What are your dominant beliefs, values, traditions that you came with, because it's that cliche of a fish can't describe water. Right. <laughs> right. We need to do, we need to understand what are our cultural tendencies. And we, we know they're about, we're going to say 12 general cultural dimensions that matter, whether we equality oriented or hierarchy oriented, direct communication or indirect communication, et cetera, et cetera, understand general cultural dimensions and be able to name where you are, what your tendencies and preferences are. That's the first step. And okay. then once you understand that generally, right, then you can start to get curious. Well, what's going on locally here? Where are they on this scale yes. of preference and where are our gaps? Where are we similar? Right. Okay. Another, and another really important thing I want to just mention is that people underestimate is your intercultural competence will be much higher if you're taking excellent care of yourself. So sleeping well, not drinking too much, not too much coffee, exercising, that we can show up so much differently for ourselves than others when we're really taking care of ourselves. And that feels like it can get lost in the mix. Yeah. I, and I definitely think it gets, it gets a bit lost when you first move to a new culture and you're in that state of overwhelm. You know, mm -hmm. where you, you really having that battle to figure out where you belong, trying to just un be understood and people to understand you, so to be um, coming into a different language. Um, and especially if you're doing that with a family, right? Like there's so many, mm -hmm. so many things going on. Um, and I mean, this is kind of offhand as, as we both have families living in different cultures. How do you, how did you start to educate your own children on interculturalism or intercultural communication? Well, it started very early because we started as a binational family in Switzerland, um, American practices versus Swiss practices, something as simple okay. as you shake hands as a small child in Switzerland, but you don't in the U S you hug. Yeah, so yeah. teaching them very early on, where do you do what? 
and where do they value what? So that we started very, very early on. And then as we moved to a third culture, as we moved abroad to West Africa, for example, I had to talk to my boys around about dialogues that they got, for example, if they were crying and they're two or three years old and um, I would hear, il faut pas pleurer. And yeah. I'm like, what? Like, yes, you can cry. Like, so yeah. let, let the local share that message that would be okay culturally for him, but then take my son aside and go, actually, this is how they see it. You know what they're trying to encourage you to do here, but I want you to know it's also okay to cry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. always so navigating respecting those both, both balances. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And yep. I think, and I think that, um, as we're coming a bit to the close, I think that that's a really good thing to close out on. It is, you know, interculturalism is about that. It's just the balance and respect of each culture that just because it's different doesn't make it bad or wrong. It just means that there's a level of understanding that we have to get to so that we can compromise to actually to interact together. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I have to, I mean, uh, one thing I do know is as soon as you get comfortable and you think you're in a culturally competent, you're probably <laughs> missing something like <laughs> we need to swing to another. Swing. Yes. <laughs> the more I know, the more I know, I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree. Well, Sunday, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak with me today, but I want everyone to know where they can find you, what projects you're working on, where, you know, the things that you really help and support people with. I'm just going to give you a minute to, to go ahead and just let us know what, you know, what you're doing and how people can find you. Well, they can find me on my podcast, Expat Happy Hour, or go to my website, sundaybean.com, S-U-N-D-A-E-B-E-A-N. Projects I'm working on right now is called the Wisdom Fusion Project for Women. It's an intergenerational project, getting women of all ages together to share their experiences. I also have lots of other projects helping people adapt and succeed wherever they are. So check out my website and my podcast and you can find out more. Well, that's great. Well, this has been fantastic. And I really hope that um, this was beneficial for everyone listening today. And I want to thank you for joining us on WRP. And I look forward to speaking with you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye, Sunday.